welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another episode of the Dojo Talk Podcast. This is episode 19. I'm your host, Serio Sensei, here with my co-host, Antaku. What's going on, man? Um, not much, man. It's a good day. It is. How's the weather there? Is it, like, really hot? Uh, it was a little hot earlier, but I was in an Easter Bunny suit, so, you oh, know. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. So, was but, it, like, yeah. full-blown mascot mask? Uh, oh god, yeah, I couldn't see. Oh man, I, I, I was afraid I was gonna like run over children. <laughs> it was terrible, but it wasn't. Ter- it wasn't that bad. Oh man, I, I made a girl. I made a girl cry. <laughs> I made a girl cry. So at the end of the day, it was all worth it. <laughs> Speaking of mascots, that actually just made me think of something. I'm gonna leave a link to a video I saw on ESPN yesterday. Of uh, I don't know if it was a baseball game, but like they were doing some kind of relay race between like it was like animals and presidents and like oh, in the <laughs> so like in the middle of the race the animals just start brawling so like everybody's just fighting and then Tuddy Roosevelt like he runs by everybody and it looks like he's going to win and at the last minute the easter bunny jumps from like the stands and just clotheslines them <laughs> and it's <laughs> if i can remember i'm going to leave a link Oh, I love mascots. I thought that was the funniest video ever. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a link to that so y'all can watch it. It's only like a 20-second clip, but it's it's so worth it. It reminds <laughs> me of, like, what was it, like, an ESPN, like, 10 years ago made a big deal because some, like, like the Batgirl at one of, like, the Nationals games or the Expos games or whatever the hell they were called at the time. Mm. Freaking just tripped Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Like, I don't think it was planned. <laughs> hey, man, that's, that's what mascots do. I, f- I feel like you got to cut them some slack. They're in hot suits all day. They got to do something, though. They, they, they have to, they're there to be physically abused. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, man, shout out, shout out to the mascots of the world. But <laughs> uh, today we will cover uh, UFC on Fox 24. And why uh, Demetrius Johnson is the best fighter on the planet. Yeah, that is, that is true. Oh, I guess I'm have my biases about him. I'll put them out there to the world. I've, I've been in a lot of arguments the last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Sheer bias on my part, but we'll uh we'll we'll talk about this card and hopefully, uh, time permitting, I uh, definitely want to cover some of this rising card. Uh, there were some definitely interesting fights <laughs> going on. Uh, but, yeah, alright, we'll just start with, uh, DJ versus, uh, Wilson Hayes, so I'll, I'll just kick this off, I'll throw my biases out there, I've, I've been a Mighty Mouse hater for a very long time, a very, (laughs) a very, very long time, I respect the game, it pains me to admit, like, to watch how good he is, 
but every time he fights, I'm I'm waiting for somebody to take him out. And in the back of my mind, I know it's not going to happen, but, you know, I, I try to keep hope alive. But this fight, just like his last, how many ever times he's fought, <laughs> like, he's, he's, he's good, man. This dude is, it's, it's crazy that, like, if I remember his fight in WEC with, um, who did he lose? Was it Brad Pickett? Yeah. I remember that fight. Like, if you would have told me back then, like, this is the guy who would come to the UFC and just dominate everybody, like, I wouldn't have believed you. And, yeah, man, he, this, he's, it pains me to say, but he, he's on another planet. Like, the gap between him and everybody else is just, it's ridiculously far. So, just, um... So my personal introduction to Mighty Mouse wasn't the picket fight. It was um, uh, some of y'all may remember Nick Pace from the Pace Choke, Pelori Choke fame. He was the first bantamweight. He was one half of the first bantamweight fight in the UFC history that actually was a catchweight fight because he couldn't make weight. Uh, he submitted um, Will Camposano, but um, that was, I believe, Nick Pace's first fight in the WEC. And I know Nick Pace as an East Coast guy. He was teammates with my aunt from Team Tiger Showman. He's a Ring of Combat vet. I think he's the current CFF uh, Cage Fury Bantamweight champion. So that was the first time I ever heard about DJ. And, uh, like, I've been a fan ever since, I guess. Like, I didn't really become a fan until the second McCall fight. But it's just been crazy to see how good he's gotten since he became a full-time fighter. Because the man was working, like, full-time in a um, warehouse up until after the Dominic Cruz fight. And even then, he was still, like... <laughs> even even then, he, he was coming into the Dominic Cruz fight, wins over Kid Yamamoto and Miguel Torres. So, uh quick quick side note that you bring that up those two fights are the reason why my hatred for him started i'm just gonna throw that out there those, those two exact fights actually you know what's funny i never watched the kid yamoto fight like i don't remember i think i worked the night that fight came on and i saw that dj won and i was like i hate this guy and then he beat miguel torres who was like one of my all-time favorite fighters and i will argue to the death that miguel won that fight but whatever <laughs> uh, I, I thought the same thing and then um god where was it they because that fight was like primarily a grappling, grappling match fight, and yeah. DJ on, yeah and um someone over at bloody elbow i think it was tp grant um wrote an article where he scored the fight on the ground like they would at like ad uh abu dhabi or um world championships hmm. and it turned out mighty mouse scored more points in just like a pure grappling match uh I haven't watched the fight in a long time because I, I know Miguel lost, but yeah, yeah, that that fight started it. But but with that being said, um, I went into this fight hoping Hayes would pull an upset, but even though in the back of my mind I knew it wasn't going to happen, like DJ, like he, he'll like throw a jab and like by the time you even, by the time you even motion to do a counter, like he's already, he's either out of the way or you're being taken down. <laughs> yeah, like, um, 
he is he has options for everything you do on every level of fighting and he makes it look so easy like I don't know how many people are familiar with Wilson Wilson Hayes as a grappler the man has been a black belt for like literally half his life he's a former world champion at the brown belt level Uh, like he's a black belt under Roberto Godoy who's a very you know prestigious you know jiu-jitsu guy Uh, and he, for all like for all the stuff about Hayes not being like an A plus fighter, the only guys he's lost to are the former number one fe- uh, flyweight on the planet, Jusir Formiga, Yuri Alcantara in a fight I will argue that he won, Eduardo Dantes, who had to flying knee him out the air to get rid of him, <laughs> Patricio Pitbull twice, and Joe Soto. Yeah. So, so only so pretty much elite. He's lo- yeah, he's only lost to top ten quality fighters. In in some cases, top five quality fighters, who were much bigger than him. And Johnson beat him worse than any of them got any of those guys did. He emasculated him. Like, <laughs> like, there's, like, there's, just, there's like there's no nice way to say that. Yeah. Like he 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 got beat because th- that undersells it by so much. Like. How do you think Wilson Hayes feels knowing that he got armbarred by a guy who is a white belt in jiu Right. <laughs> and the thing I noticed about this fight, even more than I was like, Mighty Mouse, he never, he doesn't, he doesn't even allow himself to be put in bad positions. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't make mistakes. It's it's flawless. Like, he he gets in, he sticks and moves. He'll take you down. And you'll, you'll never, like, you never have an advantageous spot. Or if you think you do, he's out of the way in in a flash, and there's, you know. And, and the thing is, I can't remember who said it, but on some point someone posted it, and it's the most accurate, like, description you can have of DJ. No matter how much, like, how good you remember him being in his last fight, you're, you're just, like, more impressed with him every time you see him. Right, like, like he's somehow he's getting better. Remember. Right. <laughs> better than you remember and it, it's amazing it, and even in this fight he showed off something that I thought was would, is like his primary weakness but Joe, uh, Joe Rogan likes to talk about how DJ has the best foot, uh, like he has some of the best footwork in you know, the sport blah 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 and up until this fight I never thought he was that great moving backwards because he was always so fast that he could just like run out of like run out of range straight back and full on straight lines and they, uh, that was like always the thing that I thought was going to be someone would capitalize on that and you know, DJ would get you know, knocked out or knocked out knocked down and submitted or something like that and that, but the, uh, here he just showed he could do the whole stick and move thing just as good as anybody in the sport. Like there was no wasted movement. He, as he moved out of range, he was still count. He was just ready to counter. And when Hayes actually did manage to like close the distance while he was ducking out of range, he was just like shoot for the takedown, take him down, or go for his back. It, it, I I don't know how you beat him without just straight up being bigger than him. How do you? Right, because <laughs> like the technique. 
the boxing is crisp. It's accurate. He doesn't waste punches. Like, he's stuck in mood to so many beautifully in this fight. Like, so many times just throw and one, two, get right out the way. And... That's legitimately the opposite of what he's, what he's great as a striker. Because the Dotson fight, the Benavidez fights, uh, well, not so much in the first one, but in the second one. Um, the uh, the Horiguchi fight, all his best moments as, as a striker have been when he's been moving forward. He, he, and just here he showed he can do the complete opposite. And it's amazing on so many different levels. Yeah, this. And then, like, when he went for the armbar, like, I knew it was over. Like, I feel like when he goes for armbar, like, he, he knows, like, he's got it. Dude, like, it's, like, it's... we didn't even mention, like, at the, to get him down in the second round, like, at, as the second round was closing, DJ was on top, he was dropping elbows and, and stuff. Like, that was him countering a takedown attempt with a flying knee to the chest <laughs> that lifted Wilson Hayes off the ground. Man. How? Yeah, like he. Oh I hate to admit it, but yeah, like when I watched, when when the fight sunk in, and I realized what I just watched, I was like, dude, this guy. Just, there's no words. Like, that that's the perfect fight. It is literally the perfect fight. It makes me so sad that. Like we can't appreciate like people don't appreciate him the way they should because uh, one of the criticisms especially early on in his title ring was that he didn't finish fight. Like he didn't finish fights the only people he hasn't been able to finish are Tim Elliott who's like twice his size and fights like he's on crack <laughs> John Dotson who literally ate Every single punch John Lineker threw his way, and, and fought him to a fought him a, to a, like a point where like it was basically it wasn't basically a brawl, but you, there were a lot of pocket exchanges where anybody else would have been knocked out, and that that's and then there was um out of the juiced up Alibaba Katinov. So those are the three fighters. Those are the only three fighters he hasn't been able to to finish as the champion at flyweight. And side note on the Bogatino fight, he was juiced up and still got oh, yeah. wrecked. <laughs> like, yeah. Whatever uh, juice he got, he needs to get a refund. It didn't It didn't oh, work. Yeah. <laughs> the the Bogatino fight was basically just this fight, except Bogatino didn't get taken down to finish. Right. Like He just got beat up standing, like, trying to block punches with his arms and his face for five rounds. And I guess... Like, I can't really short Hayes. It's not like he didn't try. Like, yeah. no, it's no, not no. like he was throwing, he was trying to get takedowns. Like, Hayes had the exact game plan that he needed to have to be competitive in this fight. Attack the legs, come forward, try to get DJ to commit on something so you can shoot your power double leg and try and get on top of him. Like, that was the way Wilson Hayes was going to win this fight. And he did the things that he was supposed to do. And it just so happened that Demetrius Johnson, the time that he was away, got so good at the, like, got so good with the skill set that is perfectly, you know, in balance with what Hayes was trying to do. And 
I, I don't know how anybody beats him without just be without being able to create that one moment of chaos where they're able to drop him like um John Morago or Joseph Benavidez in the in the first fight or even uh, I guess Dotson in the first Dotson, fight yeah. too. Like, he doesn't do that anymore. Like, he doesn't overcommit on the right hand. Right. So like your only way to beat him is you have to depend on a flash KO. <laughs> that might that, that's you probably to, not going to happen. You have to incite a scramble and you hope you know land in, in that chaos, land something that puts Dotson on Queer Street. And even then, uh, he is one of the most composed fighters when hurt. Like, he, his, his composure does not break. His will does not break. Yeah, I guess. So this, this ties the record, right? Ten defenses? It's ten defenses. His next one will be for the record. I'm excited. All right, so who who... Who do? Because I, I had this discussion with a friend. Shout out uh, to Davon. We we talked about this and argued about this a lot. Who 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 who's eleven? Who do you even? I mean, is uh, most of the top of the banner of uh, the flyweight division is booked up right now, actually. So you have Henry Cejudo at number two, or uh, I should start with number one. Joseph Benavidez at number one, who I think is riding like a four or five fight win streak. I want to say. Something like that. And he's facing off with Ben Wynn. And I think that's a fight that just, um, either one of those guys... Uh, I'm, of course, I'm leaning towards Benavidez because he's, he's the second best flyweight on the planet. But Joseph Benavidez is the second best fighter to ever fight at 135 or below. I'm going to just put that out there. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, he's riding... A, a six fight win streak man and if he wins I said give it to Benavides like I, I don't think anybody's expecting him to win at the same time like how, how can you deny the man on a seven fight win streak what about see I was thinking that too and as much as he probably earned it I don't know if I want to see that fight again but the other options did I mean what you got Sergio and Cejudo maybe <laughs> Maybe if Sergio wins impressively, they give it to him. I, but yeah, like I, I don't think you can get Cejudo title shot for one win. Even though I thought he won the Benavides fight, which by the way was, you know, I, I'm looking forward to that rematch when it happens because I, I think Cejudo's got that fire lit under his ass to improve. Like, oh, I can't just cruise here. I have, I have a goal to meet. Right. I have. I think that's like always been his thing. Like. His goal when he was 20 was to win the uh, Olympic gold medal, and he trained his ass off to do it. Like I think now that he has like people on his radar who he's gunning for, that'll pu- that'll push him to a whole new stratosphere of fighting. But um, yeah, like you can't give him the title shot when he's lost to Benavides, and that was like one fight ago, and he's on a one fight win streak. Um, then you have, uh, of course, you. If Pettis wins, they're going to give him the title shot. But I don't think he wins that fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would love him to win, but yeah, I don't. And even as and he's looked better, you know. Oh, yeah, he's, like he's getting last, better. Who was his last fight against? Was um, it? Um, oh, it wasn't Benoit. He lost to Benoit. Did he beat Chris Carriasso at the UFC or something like that? It was Chris Carriasso or Chico Camus or 
I don't think it was Chico because they're treat mates. Robert was Morago. Okay. And so, I remember like his hands looked much improved I, that I, fight. Um, Pettis, there's, nev- there's nothing wrong with Pettis technically, but there's just like something in him where if a fight get a fight gets competitive or um or he starts to lose momentum, like he just shuts down and he has no idea like he has no idea how to get back into the fight. But yeah, he did look good against um that was probably his most complete performance against uh Moraga. Um then you have Tim Elliott who just won. Like I, I guess you could do a Tim Elliott rematch, but I'd rather see Tim Elliott fight someone like Ray Borg. I was gonna throw Borg out there. <laughs> uh, Justin uh, Justin Scoggins is coming back to the division. Um, Brandon Moreno is fighting Dustin Ortiz this weekend. If he wins, that'll be his second top ten win, even though he's only been in the UFC for three fights since like December, or November, or something like that. So you know that that's an option. Like I, I don't like this idea that flyweights out of guys for. Demetrius to fight like new guys because I don't think that's true maybe it's, they're not all compelling like I I, I, um, I, ne- I never thought Jones versus uh, Glover Teixeira was going to be like a compelling fight you know what right. I mean but he, he was a credible challenger especially coming off that Bader knockout so I, I, I don't know like he, the thing is we're not going to there's a super fight with Cody Garbrandt or TJ Dillashaw or whoever the hell has the Bantamweight title after DJ break the rec- like breaks the record. Is that going to entice anybody to buy the pay-per-view that's on? Is that going to entice more people to tune in on Fox? And do they potentially want Demetrius Johnson beating two guys who have, I don't want to say proven they're a draw, but like, like TJ fought on the card that had four that when it peaked four million people tuned in you know what i mean right he has brand rec- brand recognition that to some extent and cody garbrandt i think they see a star in like whether that turns out to be true or not i, I don't know but they're gonna they're gonna push it <laughs> he's the alpha male guy with the title he has all he, he i guess he has charisma because he has a bunch of tattoos and has like a gun holster tattoo or whatever like people eat that shit up. So, I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what's next for DJ except number eleven. Right. <laughs> At this but, point. But I, I'm looking forward to it every time he fights because I truly believe he's the best fighter on the planet. And maybe and if not, you know, resume wise, technically is the best fighter MMA's ever seen. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh... I don't know if I could argue. <laughs> he, he he might be like the most well-rounded I've ever seen. Yeah. At this at this point, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else to say about this dude, but he's he's killing everybody. And number eleven is pretty much inevitable unless I mean, we get an the, upset of like GSP Matt Sarah proportions. The, like, <laughs> let's put this into perspective, like. DJ's been so dominant that a fight that he won four rounds to one was be, was where he tore his what was it his oh frick what did he tear in that fight he tore something against Elliot um like his ACL or something 
that he's just gonna bug me. But uh, he tore something in his leg in that fight in the very first round and still managed to win the next four after losing the first. Like that—that's what it—that's what it takes to be competitive with DJ. <laughs> You have to pray for freak injuries. And that was his, that's been his most competitive fight since the first um, John Dodson fight. Basically, five, four years ago now, over four years ago now. So, yeah, appreciate greatness. That's all I can say. <sighs> we'll see. Um, my my eyes are definitely on number eleven. Whoever it might be, I'll pray for him though. It's probably not gonna go. If you're in the Seattle area, go buy tickets to that fight. Oh, yeah, because they did say, yeah, they're trying to make his defense in Seattle. Yeah. It sucks that Misha Tate's not still fighting because having her on that card will probably boost whatever uh, ratings. and Yeah. It'd be cool to see. Maybe they'll try to, I don't know. She seemed pretty set on staying out, but I can see somebody putting a bug Uh, in her ear. (laughs) Throw her, dude, if. If Cyborg does leave, throw her a bunch of money to go fight Jermaine Durand to me at 145. Yeah. And, and say, like, hey, if you win this title at 145, we'll give you a title shot at 135 against, you know, the winner of Shevchenko whatever. Yeah. Shevchenko Nunes. Nunes. We'll Which see. Is... We'll... we'll definitely see. But, yeah. Uh, DJ... Re- don't oh, forget, but... fighter retirements are only as good as till people need a paycheck. So. <laughs> that is very true. I'm I'm waiting uh, for Rumble to. <laughs> but Rumble's got a real job. Like that's the thing. Like, oh, yeah, he's he Cole does. Conrad. He's not um, BJ Penn. He's Cole Conrad. <laughs> Cole Conrad's out here selling farm equipment and dairy processing equipment for money. Uh, uh. Bellator can't match that. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess. Uh... Yeah, that's about it for the DJ fight. Just greatness, pretty much. As much as I hate to admit it, but yeah, I gotta gotta give props where they're due. Uh, co-main event, another fight that hurt my heart a little bit, but it was a great performance. Uh, Thug Rose, Nama Yunez, and Michelle Waterson. Um, competitive first round for the most part. Uh, Michelle Waterson working the sidekick a lot. Uh, Never noticed how like lanky Rose is until like this oh, fight. God, yeah, no, like, she's, she's like really long, <laughs> really, really long. This is weird because she's like five, like five five. Right, but like, she, but she's like all leg. <laughs> right, like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's weird, but she definitely knows how to use her her frame to her advantage, and I, I think just the difference in this fight was was the grappling. I mean. Michelle did at one point go for an arm bar, but Thug Rose kind of... At that point, Rose was just kind of beating her in the face. Yeah, yeah. At that point, you kind of... You could tell what fight... What direction the fight was going in. Rose was clearly winning on the ground, just... And then they had a moment where they got back to the feet, and they had a little exchange. And I don't know if it was more of Rose... Well, I guess she definitely made a great read. And it, it felt like when Waterson, like, they had a little exchange, and then Waterson backed up. But she seemed really lackadaisical about it. Like, oh, yeah. like she wasn't alert as to what was... <laughs> so, oh, so somebody asked me about this, and I had to go back and watch a bunch of times that NC, that last, like, two minutes of the fight. Uh-huh. So what it looks like to me is, so Waterson's in 
or uh, not orthodox softball. She's in softball. Rose is an orthodox. She throws a hook, and it gets Rose to back up a little bit. And I think she, I think at that point, Orderson thought um, Rose was retreating, or she was going to leave. You know the exchange, and she was going to chase her with a sidekick because she's as she's throwing the hook, you can see her step behind for the sidekick. Instead. Rose steps to her out, steps to Watterson's outside, outside her league leg, or outside her rear leg that's behind her. And I guess Watterson realizes too late that um, Rose is like right on top of her as opposed to running, like trying to circle out or back away. So she puts down the leg and it looks like she panics and tries to like do it. Uh, she tries to, um, throw the kick anyway, but bails on it. And at that point, Rose lands the right hand that forces Michelle Watterson up. And then she lets the head kick where Watterson's legs aren't really below her, so it just doubles the impact. Yeah. And at that point, the fight was basically over. Yeah, it was... That head kick was clean. That <laughs> was a vicious head kick. And yeah, like, you, you, the air just got sucked out of her after that. Like, after that, it was just dominance on the ground from... But, yeah, but she... Rose pounds her face for like a good 12, 15 seconds. And then um, she turns, uh, Waterson turns to get up, and Rose just takes her back. Back, yeah. It's not even like she got like the whole, um, she didn't get all the way to her back. She was like on her side, kind of, but she's so long. Long that, yeah, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> she, she got under the chin, and just from there it was all yeah, over. Yeah, it was over. Like, this is what I was. This is the thing. Like, Watterson was. I I never thought Watterson would ever be a contender because she's just so small. Like, if if the UFC had a ninety-five pound weight division, she could probably fight in it. To be honest with you, like if this was Deep Jewels or something, she pro- she could fight at one oh five or one. About ninety-five pounds, like, and none, her none of her skill sets offset that. She's not a powerful, domineering top control artist. She's a sprint. Gra- she's a sprint gra- grappler essentially, where she's going to throw up submissions and she's slick enough and fast enough that you know sometimes they'll land, sometimes they won't. We saw that when she fought Penne for the uh, Invictable. Yeah. yeah, like, and her striking game is relying on her being long and fighting on the outside, which is fine. But if you're just constantly giving people your legs, you know, somebody and you're not that tall, somebody can go over the top. Somebody can um, take you down if they grab a leg, and you're kind of small, so you get pounded from the top. And uh, that's what we saw here. Like she, she's just not strong enough to be a contender in this division or not big enough I should say and her game is not precipitated on her being the smaller fighter and I think as good as she is like she has some flashy striking but like her hands aren't really well that's that's the thing I think in in this fight kicking was her detriment like it's where she had the most success but uh, I, I think she would have been better if she had stuck with like the boxing, to be honest with you. Well, Rose 
thing is, his rules are just so long and lanky. Yeah. Well, this, I, this, I, I, I looking time, back at it now, this does kind of just seem like, I don't say a bad matchup, but... It's one the, where if Rose is as good as we think she is, she should have won in the style that she won in. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I think Rose is probably the most naturally gifted fighter at 115 in terms of just athleticism and how it applies to MMA. Do like, we... I, I guess is, is she. I guess she's pretty much a lock for a title shot now. I, I guess you would say. Co-main event on Fox. Um, not a whole lot of like the girls they wanted to fight for the title are nowhere to be seen. So unless Cynthia Cavillo just like I don't know gets to fight Koya Gadella and submits her for whatever reason, I think Rose is as good as a lock basically. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know, because that Andrade-Yanjicic fight should be like all types of just violence, <laughs> violence, beautiful I, violence. I, I, I expect both women to walk away with um a few years less on their career. Right. <laughs> so I'm assu- I'm assuming they might need some time off after that one, especially if Yanjicic wins and she ends up breaking her hand on freaking Andrade's rock hard head. Because I feel like that's a thing that could happen because she's had dumb problems before. So, um, it's possible that they make Rose have another fight. They throw like, her in there with Random Marcos, or I doubt they'd give Carlos Barza a rematch. No, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think we're gonna. Maybe we get, yeah. So, has she fought, um, has she fought Torres? Twice. Fought Torres. I don't remember those. Were those both in Invicta? One was in Invicta, one was in the UFC. Uh, her UFC one was the fight right before she fought Curly the Kovalkovich. Ah. Or Kovalkovich, my bad. It, it's really weird when you you have a way of saying a fighter's name in your head and then you have to actually <laughs> say it. Do we think... Like, I, I, I like what I saw from Rose... You think the? I'm pretty sure she's gotten better, is a lot good, better. And since, she's only going to get better. Better, yeah. But I, I, I don't like know at this point. About just being all about the fight. I don't know if I pick her over Young Jacek. Still, even with what I saw, I don't. I don't know. If either one of those fights gets to the ground, like I, I think she can submit both of them. Like there's just such a, even with Andrade, who might have like a really big strength advantage. Um, I think there's like a grappling disparity to be included. Yeah. I don't know how she gets Andrade to the ground. Like, unless she lands like that big shot, like a, a head kick that just floors her. All right. But, um, I, I, I give her a decent chance to be either one. If she keeps improving, like, I, I don't think she does it maybe on the first time and the first try, but she she she'll have her moments. Right. I think she'll whoever whoever she ends up getting cuz I'm pretty sure she's next in line. It'll it'll be a somewhat competitive fight. Yeah. But even, she even, she has the skill to pull the upset though. Even if she, she, she loses does. like 50-45, it'll be competitive in the sense that there were rounds where um Rose possibly could have won if she won. did something a little different. Right. Or she'll have moments where like she might land something or she'll put them in a dangerous spot that they'll they'll have to wiggle out of. Like yeah. she won't make it an easy fight. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, I don't expect another repeat of the Carlos Barza fight. Yeah. But, uh, we'll see. Great, great performance nonetheless. I still hope to see Waterson back. Uh, uh she, is going to have a spot opening on uh, Fox for probably the next couple of years. All right. Or on pay-per-view or whatever. Because, yeah. like, she's the fighter they want. She's the actualization of, like, um, well, not Sage Northcutt, but I guess Paige Van Zandt. <laughs> Sage Northcutt. <laughs> the, pat- the patron saint of the Dojo po- uh, podcast. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see him fight again. Yeah, I, if they're smart, we don't see him fight again for, like, another year. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll <laughs> let him work with Tyron, like, his new black dad. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna wait that long. I can't, I can't wait to see that dude fight again. I mean, it's such a spectacle. It's <laughs> I could go on a whole tangent. But like, oh, believe me, when Sage Northcutt does fight again, the whole episode is just gonna be about Sage Northcutt. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. He, he's he's interesting. He's so Did... interesting in that he's not interesting, and it, it's so bizarre. Right. But I'm I'm a I'm a fan though I can't lie yeah. like I, I I like him I know he's not he hasn't had the best moments but yeah I I, I think despite what we've seen so far he still has potential to be something good but he you know I don't know he, he's in this weird spot right now <laughs> I don't know yeah like you said it's it's just bizarre but. Uh, I guess heading on to the next fight, um, Upset City, <laughs> uh, Robert Whitaker and Jacare Souza. Um, yeah, uh, Robert Whitaker pretty much had the best fight you could probably ask for. <laughs> kind of one of those performance of your life nights where you just, you do everything right. And... This fight, I, I, I thought that Whitaker had the skill set to win because he is very clean and crisp with the hands and he's really fast. But I just kind of envisioned, you know, maybe a competitive first round, but eventually Jacare takes him down and Jacare just does what Jacare does. And yeah, that, I mean, the first round was, it was, it was pretty competitive. A little bit, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. I mean, and th- this fight went kind of how I expected it to go if uh, Whitaker was going to win. Like I was the the one thing I wasn't sure about is if is if uh, Jacare was going to be able to corner Whitaker long enough to take him down because I was a hundred percent sure uh, Whit- Whitaker wasn't going to get taken down in the middle of the cage because he's just so fast, you know. Yeah, and he his feet were bouncing the whole fight. Yeah, like, oh god, <laughs> he was definitely aware of the danger of yeah. He was not trying to get taken down, and I then did, I did not expect him to knock Jacare out the way he did. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, I, I didn't. That, that that's where I guess I draw the line. Like freaking, he, he oh my god, he this fight alleviated a lot of the concern I had about like his size and his uh. His skill set, like transferring to the upper echelons of like uh, the middleweight of middleweight, and um, like 
you ask me now, I think he can beat Yoel Romero and uh, and freaking Musasi and freaking and Luke Rockhold. Frankly, like there's no reason he can't beat these guys. He's just he is so much better than everybody else in this division in open space when it comes to striking. Yeah, like he, the hand speed is just. Oh my god, he has, he's the fastest hands at freaking middleweight. And I, yeah. didn't, I didn't realize that until he fought Uriah Hall. Who is... Like, I've seen Uriah throw punches live. He is lightning fast, and Whitaker made him look slow. Yeah, this, this It was a beautiful performance. And the moment where Jacare got him down for a brief moment... And even took his back for a brief moment. Once Whitaker shook him off, oh, that's that, when that's I knew. When fight. Yeah, that's, that's when, fight. when you knew, like, ooh, this might be a long night. <laughs> and then he proceeded from there to just work the magic of his hands. And, like, Jacare's a, a, a powerful striker, but he's not, like, the most. He's not, like, a well, technician. Well, his striking is uh, functional. Right. It gets the job done. He is not there to... Well, he is there to... He, his punches do kind of lend themselves to knocking guys out. But their primary function is to get you to back up so that he can get you against the cage and take you down and work his jujitsu game. That is what Jacare wants to do. And uh, uh, I don't want to say Whitaker exposed that, but... but when he t- when he got his game completely taken away, it it, it, j- it just was so incredible. Yeah, it it, was... like that, and that's where all this like w- the magic happened, I guess. And he just he worked the hands, and then went when the head. Oh man, the head kick. That head, <laughs> oh, he caught him leaning and everything. Man, the head kick was. Just the look on Jacare's face, like after the head kick landed, like it, it's impending doom. <laughs> like you, you knew it was over. So and then, so I are, think I think it's fair to say that Whitaker is a future middleweight champion, like not contender champion. And I say that because Yoel Romero is what thirty nine. He's per, he, I, in all honesty, I don't believe that. I think he's closer to like fifty. <laughs> I, I think his birth certificate is a fake. Yeah, I, thing is, I don't hold his age against him because I don't care how old he is. The man is still a superhero. Like. Oh yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. But, but I expect that when he does drop off, it won't be like oh this slow thing where he's still winning fights and um, he's still doing all this highlight reel shit. It, it's just gonna be all of a sudden, all, like all of a sudden he gets hit and it just goes down. All of a sudden, the explosiveness isn't there, and he's not getting takedowns, and he's not leaping in with like giant rands. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yes. Like, I expect I... that type of fall fall off for him. And um, Luke Rockhold can't stay healthy. Chris Weidman can't stay healthy and is losing fights. And I assume his, I assume both of their futures are probably at two hundred five. To be honest with you. Like, I think the only thing keeping Luke Rockhold at 185 is the fact that Daniel Cormier is at 205. And, yeah, I, uh, could, I could see that. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I would probably pick Whitaker over him. Uh, like, that hand speed is just... 
And Range, like like Range is going to be a problem for him in that fight, but I think the I think um, Rockhold is like uh, um, his striking is probably the weakest aspect of his game. And it's um, not that it's bad, but his boxing is not particularly uh, fun. Uh, it's not Whitaker, it's right? Like that. And I was gonna say I love I love Bisbing, but if, if Bisbing can knock you out, Whit- Whitaker can definitely. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whitaker can definitely knock you out. Oh yeah, yeah. Like nobody in that division is is messing with the hand speed. And like in this fight, he he does a great job of sticking and moving. Like he he knew what the danger was. He avoided the power shots. He was getting in and out. And then when he puts combinations together, like it's you're, you're in might, trouble. One day we might get Calvin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker for the title, and that's that would be that's pretty phenomenal to me. Right, that would be awesome. Two former <laughs> welterweights who hell, hell Wonder Boy just freaking lost on his second bid for a title at welterweight. Maybe he moves up and wants to fight a middleweight. Doesn't see it. Happen. That's a rematch I'd love to see because I think Whitaker, uh, I think Whitaker has the tools to win that one again. But not That's again like... for you know when they, if they run it back. Right. So with this win, I feel like I don't, I don't remember what Whitaker was ranked before this but i feel like he just leapfrogged a lot of people <laughs> here's the thing weidman's coming off a loss he's coming off of three losses luke rockhall's come off a loss and injury and he's been out for what a year now almost a year now and yeah, we, don't, like, we have no idea when he's going to when he's coming back yeah yeah so that leaves gegger musasi and yoel romero yoel romero is uh, you uh, I don't think they're Musashi doesn't have a contract yet, so there's that. And uh, Yoel Romero is, uh, as much as we love watching him, he's not really a draw. So let's say Michael Bisping beats uh George St Pierre if that if and when that fight does happen. I could see the UFC leapfrogging uh Yoel Romero to give Whitaker a title shot if they. Oh, that's gonna it. happen. I'm, if, I'm positive that's going to happen. <laughs> if they have a pay-per-view set up in um, New, New, uh, Australia, like, they, they've had one for the past two years, so I'm assuming they might have one this year in November. If they need a main event and they need a pay-per-view quality fight, Whitaker Bisbing, Tough Smashes champion versus um, a Brit in Australia? Yeah. Like, that the fight makes itself yeah. like, <laughs> and, and that sucks for Yo Romero because yeah, I, I, I think he beat the shit out of Bisping, <laughs> and um, I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I Romero's he, in I a Romero's in a bad spot. Like yeah, this is what happens when your country doesn't allow for pro sports. Thanks, Cuba. You guys could have <laughs> been the guys who got Yo Romero a title shot. Right. Yeah. Get to his fan base. Ooh. Yeah, that, that that sucks for him. But yeah, yeah. If GSP, if that fight happens and Bisping wins, yeah, I, I'm 100% positive Whitaker's looking to leapfrog Romero. I don't even think they'll think about it. Just matchup wise. I mean, it, God, wait. In a perfect world, uh, maybe uh, I want to say Bisping retires because let's face it, if Bisping beats GSP, he has no reason to come back. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's gonna be a giant payday. Maybe, maybe Yo Romero gets lucky and Bisping retires, and he can just fight Whitaker for the title. Right. And I'd be a okay with that. Man, man, that sucks for Romero. It really does. Yeah. I love Bisping though, but yeah, he, I, for for Bisping's sakes and for argument's sakes that I always have with people, I hope he fights Romero. I don't, I don't want this to be the shadow of his retirement that you ducked. Uh, <laughs> that you duck, Mr. Stoolgate. But yeah, man, Whit Whitaker, this, this guy's on the radar now. If he wasn't already before, like he's he's definitely yeah. If you haven't been watching him, you pay attention. The hands are coming. Somebody's getting the next. <laughs> Whoever's next is probably yeah. It's not gonna be easy outing at all. Uh. But moving down the main card, um, I guess you could say this was another upset of sorts. Uh, Hanato Carnero and Jeremy Stevens. Was Hanato even ranked? No. He, if, <laughs> I, if I remember, he only has two fights in the UFC. Yeah. So you go from not being ranked with two fights to fighting... He, Jeremy's top ten, right, I believe? Jeremy was like number seven or something. Number six, number seven heading into this fight. And, I mean, this was a pretty decisive win. Oh, he was number five. Ooh. Yeah. So, you you go from not ranked to beating the number five dude, albeit a split decision, but... He won it. Yeah, that, that I thought Carnero won this pretty handedly. He won at least <laughs> two to one. Yeah. He, he, a lot, the crowd booed a lot during the fight. Which I thought he was just being smart. Like, yeah, like <laughs> MMA has this weird thing where if you're not just straight up brawling at every moment, like you're John Lineker, right? Then you're 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 running away. But yeah, and no, he, he did he did at certain points in this fight. Don't get me wrong, but that that stuff drives me crazy. Where you just turn back and just run to the circle of the, the center of the cage, it, it drives me crazy because. There, there are so many opportunities that you're giving up to do that. And yeah, the turning back, and we've seen we've seen how that can go. Shouts to Oscar <laughs> Overeem. <laughs> yeah, um, don't don't turn your back. Shout outs to Overeem. Shout outs to Hordecki. Shout out who who did Eve Edwards catch? Oh God, <laughs> uh, Josh Thompson was it? Josh Thompson. Thompson. I think, I think so. it was. I think that was his head kick. I think <laughs> I think that was Josh Thompson. No matter who it was, man, turning your back is not a good idea. But yeah, it was Thompson. Yeah, wait, yeah, turning wait, your back will get yeah, you brutally wait. KO'd. Yeah. But Carnero to me just fought really smart. To me, he was very aware of where the cage was. He never allowed his back to get against the cage. He was constantly circling, so he could just avoid the power shot, and he just stuck and moved. It was it was a sublime performance by a long outfighter. Right. Like I, I don't there's I, I don't have much else to say other than like oh God, um I will you know, I will say if Moicano's going to keep moving forward and keep moving up the rankings having a tough fight every fight out probably isn't going to help him. You know what I mean? Cause he, even here he looked good but he still gave up a round. Right. Like, 
it was close enough where our judge gave the the guy the other round. It's a it's the Gus it's the Gustafson Cormier thing. Like where if you're running towards if you're turning your back, it looks like you're losing a fight unless you're just like completely 100% tooling the guy. And Moicano does not have that type of power. So like you're playing with fire every single time. So does this type of thing work when you're fighting Frankie Edgar? You know, yeah, they're probably not gonna. <laughs> yeah, against and, a dude like Frankie's caliber. And the big thing about this fight is it looked like Jeremy Stevens was trying to knock him out with every punch he threw, as opposed to just like putting his hands on him. Yeah, I, I think Jeremy just got frustrated. Yeah, like he couldn't get a rhythm going. Carnero was just not backing up on the cage. He was constantly circling, sticking and moving, and. Jeremy just couldn't land like he wanted to, and yeah, it just kind of looked like after a while he just he just got really flustered, kind of like the oh, crowd did. Absolutely, <laughs> like, yeah, God. yeah. Like in the third round, it looked like he was just ready to fucking go home. Right. <laughs> but like, I did not come all this way for this bullshit. Right. <laughs> but regardless, great win if you're Conero, man. Oh, dude, yeah, like uh, great win. Who has Steve, Steve's loss has losses at one forty five have been to an overweight Charles Oliveira, Frankie Edgar in a fight where he almost I want to say he almost knocked him out, but he put a, he freaking rocked the crap out of him with that head kick, a Cub Swanson fight where he probably could have won if he didn't break his hand, and the Max Holloway fight, which is probably his most definitive loss, in terms of just not there being no fuckery. Yeah. So, yeah, like, this is a really good win. Because Stevens only loses to the elite of this division. Well, I guess for Carnero, I mean, great win, but the fights are not about to get any easier. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Shark Tank division, kind of somewhat in a similar vein to Lightweight, where no matter who you fight in, like, the top 10 or 15, there are no easy, no easy comings. Every, everybody's coming to get you. Yeah. But. Uh, good thing for him is, uh, I think everybody else is booked at the moment. Like, in terms of just, like, the top ten. Like. Yeah. I, is Edgar booked for somebody? Uh, he's booked for Yair Rodriguez, so. Yep. Namas is fighting, uh, um, Namas is supposed to be fighting the Korean Zombie. Cub Swanson. Oh, he might fight Cub Swanson if Cub, Cub is done murdering Artem Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that fight, we get the review. Oh, boy, that's, that's going to be fun. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a word for it. It's your yeah. word. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic. I mean, I mean it, be, at least it, it'll, it'll probably provide a nice highlight reel. It'll be, I, I, it'll be fun to watch Cub Swanson make uh, Lobov stare off into the muds. Right. And Conor McGregor just had like a mental breakdown ringside. <laughs> well, we'll see. But yeah, shout outs to Conero. That was great, great performance. Uh, moving down to... Uh, Speaking of long outfighters. Right. <laughs> Alexander Volkov, former uh, Bellator standout slash... He was champion there, right? At one point? It was... Oh, Yes. Yeah, he lost it to he lost. Did he lose it a minute ago? Yes, I think he lost. Yeah, so yeah, former Bellator, yeah, former Bellator champ Alexander Volkov, former M1 second, champ Alexander Volkov, the goat. 
<laughs> he's he's out there collecting belts. <laughs> second second fight in the UFC, and he gets uh one one of my favorites, uh, Big Country Roy Nelson, uh, and <laughs> yeah, this fight was a uh, a lot of vocals just kind of picking him apart from the outside, and Roy not being so really fast anymore. Tried to use his grappling, didn't um. Didn't seem to work. <laughs> he took him down once, didn't he? he took I think down. he did. And then he got stood up like a, few, like a minute or two later because he was yeah. Dumb. But um, I think the sports sound off. Shouts to those. Shouts to Joey and Alex over sports sound off. The sports sound off. Tomboy. dot com. Um, I think he said best. Volkov's just a, like a competent fighter, which is something we don't get a lot at heavyweight. Yeah. Like even amongst the good guys, like, uh, we, I, I would not call um, Andre Arlovsky a competent fighter. Like, he is an up and down fighter, and he has, uh, he has a certain skill set that is primed for um, the division because he can hit so hard. I, I wouldn't just call him like a consistent competent fighter. Like, same with uh, Derek Lewis. A little bit with Alistair Overeem because he, you know, he has lapses and yeah. like got complete mental lapse and discipline. Yeah, serious lapses, <laughs> like fatal lapses. Yeah, and like the same with Stefan Struve, who is probably the, who is probably the fighter Volkov is most compared to because they're both like seven feet tall. Well, he's like six seven, but still. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's you're seven feet tall. Just, right, <laughs> but oh, Volkov is like part of this like class of just like guys at heavyweight who are just competent. Like I put him in the same boat as guys like Tim Johnson. Um, God, what was that guy's name? Uh, not Tybora. Um, but yeah, like in the same vein as guys like Tim Johnson and. Where, uh, where you know where you're going to get what you're going to get out of them every single fight in terms of just like consistent game plan approach to MMA that we don't see like we don't see a lot at, at the lower levels of heavyweight where I was wondering in this fight I mean it, it was fairly one-sided he pretty kick, much picked Roy apart just kickbox the crap out of him Right, <laughs> pretty much all three. What do you, all three rounds is a kickboxing clinic. What do you what do you think his ceiling is? How 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 far do you think he can? I guess it really depends on how low the uh, like how how many of these other guys are coming down right now. You know, like yeah. is Cain Velasquez the same fighter that he used to be? Is is he sixty percent of the same fighter that he used to be? Really, because of all the injuries. Um. Alistair Overeem still seems like a fairly, you know, good heavyweight. I, I Fabrizio Verdum is still out here, you know, making Travis Brown look silly. <laughs> um, like, can, like, I think, uh, like, I don't think Volkov beats Nganu, or I, I don't think, I don't think he can keep someone like Derek Lewis off him for, uh, three or four, three to five rounds. 
I can't see those fights happening where he doesn't land something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it re- uh, like maybe just outside the top seven. Maybe he, maybe he sneaks a title shot for all I know. Like we, I don't know how good Mark Hunt is anymore. I, I don't know how good Andre Arlovski is anymore. I think Hunt's. Uh, I think that resurgence is. Yeah, I think that ended. Yeah, like, I he, think we've seen the best, like that resurgence. Like, I think we've seen the best of it, and I think now it might he, be on the downslide. He just looks old, man. Yeah, like, less so than Nelson, but he looked old against Overeem. Well, I hope just for entertainment's sake, Volkov and Struve just has to happen. Yeah, I don't care what the rankings are. <laughs> I don't care who's coming off a win or a loss. That has to happen. Technically, they're ten and eleven. I don't see why they can't fight. All right, yeah, that that has to happen. Like, that's next. Make it happen. Yeah, that has to be next. <laughs> like, it it makes all the sense in the world to make just the two tallest people on earth <laughs> just put on gloves and just let them go. Someone should write McMainer a letter saying, "This is how you make fights." Like, I wonder how Volkov handles not being the longer guy. Right. That this will have to be the only time where he's fighting somebody. This. Who who do you think is more well rounded? Um, because Struve Struve can Struve does submissions. I I I I pick Struve to be more well rounded because I don't think Volkov's all that good a grappler. Like I don't think Struve's all that good a striker, but like the power and the length and the dexterity to throw kicks and make up for it. A bit, and his sheer toughness, you, like those are things you just can't make up on the ground unless you're yeah. just uber strong. So, I guess Struve, but I, I'm not sure that I don't know if his well-roundedness is enough to that where that he can beat Volkov. Yeah, I I think if they fought, I, I think Volkov is just like a better technician as a striker. Like he's a lot more clean. But then, I don't know, Struve, he's, he's pulled some crazy comebacks. Uh, yeah. Dude can... <laughs> well, how, much, how, much of the, how much of those comebacks are, like, guys are pressuring him, they're beating the crap out of him in the first round, they either punch themselves out or they come out in the second round thinking it's going to be the same, and Struve just, is just able to go to war with them. Right. Like, oh God, I can't remember. Uh, Struve beat Stipe. Like... <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, uh... <laughs> that still blows my mind. There's something be, to be said for just a being a really fucking tough guy, a heavyweight, and being able to throw punches. Like, that will get you farther at heavyweight than you will in any other division. Man. Because unlike in any other division, at one point, if you're throwing enough, you're going to land, and it's going to hurt the other guy because you're, you're 250, 60 pounds. Right. <laughs> so well, yeah. Uh, we'll see. I hope I hope that fight does happen. Though. I, I'm glad Volkov like made his way to the UFC. And for one, I'm happy to see any heavyweight with any amount of talent yeah. <laughs> come over. But like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, glad he I made his way. I fully expected Volkov to um kind of just wash out in the UFC because he was yeah, like, this is a guy who was um God who he fight I can't remember the man's name. He fought this guy in Bellator. Uh, it wasn't Richard Hale. It was Vinci, uh, Vinicius uh, Quar- uh, 
Kieros, like all the way back in like 2012. And that's always the fight I have in my mind when I think of Volkov. No matter how many people he runs through, like, you know, your Blavgoy Ivanovs and your Kudins and whatever. Um, he lost that fight, basically. Like, he got taken down. But he didn't lose. He won. But he got taken down. And I think that's the fight where there was just, like, this weird stand-up while Vinicius was on top. And that's when he ended up getting the knockout. And I always go back to that fight, and I think in my head, like... Oh my God, this is a guy who got who lost to Tony Johnson and Chet Congo two years ago. You know, what right? I mean? <laughs> and those were those were bad losses. Like, like he, yeah, he just straight up got taken down and wrestled. Yeah, but like, what? Hey, like, man, what do you do? Like, what what, what can be said about like these two? Uh, this guy, because we don't know. And I guess that's the crazy part because he beat he beat Tim Johnson. Well, I guess you take losses in Bellator, you come to the UFC, and somehow a spark happens. <laughs> you eke out, well, I'm going to say he didn't eke out this one. This was a clear, clear W. Yeah. But, yeah, man, shout out to him. Can't, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him again. And I, Strew versus Volkov, must-see must TV. A, a side note for Roy Nelson, like, where do you think, how low does he have to go before the UFC lets him go? Because, yeah, he, he was coming off a win, but it was like a win. It was a do-or-die win over, like, Bigfoot Silva. I don't and know, And to be man. honest, he, he... should have lost to Jared Rochelle. So, like, not counting. And, like, since 2013, his wins have been over Czech Congo, Big Nog, Jared Rochelle, again, a fight he shouldn't have won, and Bigfoot Silva. He has lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights in that time span. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like after this performance, man, his is, I mean, he's 40 years old now. Like, his leash can't be that long. But <laughs> like, at the same time, he's strained, He's popular enough. Where, like, yeah, like, people they, people love him. And they, they, they don't want him going to Bellator. Yeah, like they made a whole big deal in his not his last contract, but the one before that. But like, oh, we want to keep this guy, but we don't like him, but we have to keep him anyway because he's a heavyweight and blah 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 blah. And like, Roy is not the type of guy to walk away. Like, I I feel like he's he's gonna be one of those guys who has to be pulled away from the sport, <laughs> right? And screaming. I don't know. I feel like with WME though, man, with the way they let people go. Well, I've heard conflicting things, but. Like, apparently, WME doesn't have as much say as we think they do, or they don't exercise as much as uh, their ownership as much as we think they do, and Dana White's really the guy making all the decisions. And, um... I, I it, just it think he can't than, do another performance like this. Like, like, I mean... But then he gets to kind of say he has been... Kind of <laughs> are, are, there guys for, are there guys he can still knock out, is the question. Because... He hit Volkov cleanly like four or five times, and it, it, I want to say it didn't look like it hurt him because it, you know he's still two hundred fifty pounds. He's he's going to hurt, but it, it didn't look like it was going to knock him out at any point. Like he didn't look yeah. like rocked. I don't know. I, I give him, I give him one and maybe two more fights, 
And the, the thing is, his chin is still not going away. Right. He can take punishment like, like I've never seen before. Like, just a year ago, he freaking ate everything Derek Lewis had to throw at him. Like, this man. He survived how many rounds with JDS? Was that a three round or was that a five? That was a three round. That was. And, God, that was like. Seven and years that. Back. I'll never forget. That was a savage beating. And, <laughs> like, and seven years of wars and getting his ass beat and like just repeatedly punched in the face later, he's still tough as shit. He's, yeah, like, he's still that, there. As long as he can take a punch, I think he's going to think he can still fight. I don't, it's hard to say. I, I think, though, with performances like this, especially now, because now you're losing to, you know, it's not even the elite anymore. You're losing to the up-and-comers. Like, I think you do one or two more performances like this. I, I think I think they're opening the door. <laughs> I think I think they're nudging it open, and they're, they're, they're pointing for you to... Yeah. Yeah. Like, and... I, I do hope, though, before whenever he leaves, I hope he gets one more. I just want to see one more overhand right. I don't even care who it's against. Just one more. You can go to the but... and fight Chai Congo. For the <laughs> <laughs> it's the rematch we all want. <laughs> well, on that note well I guess that covered the main card well, uh, actually that was the start of the prelims that was? yeah oh I didn't even know that well moving on to the next fight that I this was the one fight I had circled been waiting for this for I don't even know how long uh, Tom Dukenwa right <laughs> Tom Tom Dukenwa finally makes it to the UFC and debuts against Patrick Williams, and I'm gl- I'm I'm glad that he actually took some bruises in this fight. Yeah, because the, the first round, man, he he got rocked a couple of times. But what I liked <laughs> and what I loved about it is even when he gets hit, like this dude, does he only knows forward motion? Yeah. Even when he got hit, he never looks panicked or he doesn't look like it's like he doesn't care that he got hit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he kind of remi- he his calmness. And his just like composure just remind me of Gregor Musasi. Yeah, it's a real just kind of almost like I don't care demeanor. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Like yeah, and that's how he fights. Yeah, like, he, he just does crazy shit like freaking standing elbows across your face and like just stepping knees in the middle of a cage and they land because he's just so they, good at this. Yeah, and. He spent the first half of the round, Patrick kind of took it to him. He, he dropped him, he, he got takedowns, but towards like the latter of the first, he started to throw those knees, and they were landing, and then at the end of the first, I don't, he got the elbow. I don't remember at what point um in the first round he landed this, but he landed a knee, and you could see Patrick Williams just fold. It was at that moment that just like all not the like all his just strength just drained from his body. <laughs> right. And it was so weird because he had so much energy like in the first. Yeah. And then like, when that second round started, they, they were talking about him gassing in like the second round, but like, Duke and what was fucking him up with those knees. Yeah, I think those those knees probably did a lot more damage than than because he. For people, like, if you've never watched him fight, I've never seen somebody throw... Nobody throws knees and elbows as much as he does. At least not in MMA. Right, at least not in MMA. And, like, he throws... And they land all the... 
a simple step in knee, but he he does it so well, and it it just always lands. And the way he sneaks in elbows, like if you clinch with him for a second, <laughs> or if he can get in that range, like the elbows coming. Yeah, he's and, got the best standing elbows in in MMA right now. Yeah, it's not even close, not even close. And then when that second round started. You you knew Patrick was in trouble. Like yeah. Duke and Wall just started to get off the knees and the striking just started to come and he kept that forward pressure and Patrick just there was no answer. Like he, he couldn't handle the pressure and then the the last elbow just <laughs> just kinda just folded and sealed the deal and Yeah, man. This this dude is he's he is he's real. something special. He is yeah, this this dude's scary, man. Like he is he's, he, uh, it, this division is full of um, God like hitters now. Like you got your uh, your Cody Garbrandt, your John Lindeckers, your T.J. Uh, Dillashaw's. God, um, your Yuri Alcantara can still pop. Uh, Luke Sanders can pop. Like got guys who when they land, friggin' uh, John Dotson, Eddie Wineland, they can they, and Thomas Almeida. They're all guys who can pop. So. The fact that he's very hittable is going to be something that he needs to address like immediately. Yeah, defense definitely needs work. But I think he's young and athletic, and just like he's with Jackson now, so you know he's getting in his like he's the type of fighter I think Jackson would love because he's already fundamentally sound, and he does all the weird shit that Jackson fighters like to do, like the unconventional strikes, um, the aggression, all that stuff. So yeah. I think that's a perfect fit for him and everything, and I, I think he could rise up these ranks really rankings really quickly. Like I could see him beating Rob Font, I can see him beating Joe Solo, I can see him beating Pedro Munoz and Yuri Alcantara and Johnny Eduardo and Eddie Wineland. Uh, there it gets a little, from there it gets a little bit murkier, but like I would love to see him and Almeida. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a dream fight, right? Yeah, that's 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 the dream fight. That's it might take a little bit that they might, you know, I'm pretty sure they'll give him maybe one or two more fights before he gets to that, you know, he, that level. And he might not even honestly need it to be like he he might be at that level already. Yeah. Like he's that good. Like yeah, this this dude, man. I, this is the most excited I've been for like a, a UFC debut since Tom, maybe Thomas Almeida, maybe Conor McGregor, like that's how good I think he is. Yeah. Unbelievably tough. Just <laughs> unbelievable. Like, it, I can't get off the composure thing. Because in the first round, like, he was getting handled. I, 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 <laughs> like, I, I don't think he accounted for um, Patrick Williams' just straight athleticism. Because yeah. well, Williams isn't really, like, a good fighter. He is a damn good, he's a damn good athlete. And he... I don't know what I say, man. This dude, like he, he, he keep an eye out for him. Right. He, That's all I can say. Keep definitely keep an eye out. This this guy is. Even if we're overhyping him, and you know, it turns out he's just he just can't crack that top five or top ten or whatever. He is just a fun ass guy to watch. Like how many watch, guys yeah, in the sport can throw like the step in knees and the and the standing elbows and and can like just. Oh my god! Just like uh, freaking 
turn their hips in the air so that they're hitting uchimadas while guys are shooting double legs on them and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Yeah, he, this dude is... He, he is so much fun. Yeah, so yeah. If, if anything, if he never becomes champ, he's going to put on so many fights that you'll never forget. He's going <laughs> to rack up some bonuses. Yeah, he definitely is. He's, he's, he's got Flight of the Night just written all over him every fight. Um, yeah, man. Definitely, definitely, definitely keep an eye out on him. Um, I don't know, I'm looking at the time. You want to keep going down the prelims or you want to give Ryzen some, uh... Uh, let's see. This is one fight, uh, one fight really quick to give a shout out to. It was the best fight of the night. Um, Tim Elliott, Louis Smoka. If you like grappling, if you like MMA jiu-jitsu and just flow grappling and just guys moving from one thing to the next without, with, like, they're, they're hunting submissions... They're trying to get positional dominance to throw ground and pound and stuff like that. That's the fight. Elliot looked amazing. Smoka just, uh, again, this goes back to I don't think he is just athlete enough to be hanging around at the top 10 with these other flyweights. Yeah. Elliot looked a lot just, like, stronger. Stronger, just... faster, more explosive. <laughs> like, there's not, but I can't think of a scenario where Smoke, unless Smoka just lands something just amazing where he wins this fight. Yeah, but regardless, good. good sh- I mean, good showing. I hope the guy, good. Yeah, definitely I hope the good guy showing. They don't cut him because I think this is third loss in a row. Yeah, or uh, at least second in the last three. Yeah, because he lost the Borg fight. He lost the Moreno fight. Yeah, this is third loss in a row. I hope they don't cut him. He's he's good. He's too good. He's too good and too fun to go back to regional scene. If they do yeah. cut him, I hope they he goes to fight in Ryzen and makes like a million dollars or whatever. Right. <laughs> so yeah, shout out to that fight, and I'll give a quick uh, shout out to Aljamain Sterling. Uh, put on a really good performance against Augusto Mendez. Look, probably the most confident I've seen him in a long time. Like this was the Aljamain I was hoping to see against Sun Sao and Caraway. Then Caraway, but you know, but he he looks like he's getting back on the right track. So shout outs to him, and then just real quick, just to blaze down the rest of the card uh shout out to Devin clark uh anybody at 205 who looks remotely good i'm a fan of so shout out to him anthony smith andrew sanchez was a nice fun rock'em sock'em fight that ended with a head kick uh shout out to zach cummings uh getting the guillotine choke over nathan coy and fuck that ref (laughs) oh yeah he let was that the fight where he was out for like yes yeah yeah yeah, he was out for a long time before the ref even but, like. If you're at the point where you're checking his hands, man, like if you had to check both of them, it's pretty clear that he's not getting back up. Yeah, he was out. And then shout out to uh, Caitlin Vieira uh, getting a decision over Ashley Evan Smith. And yeah, so that was UFC on Fox 24. Solid. And fun now. Fun. Right, was a definitely solid fun card. A lot of good prospects, good matchmaking, and Tom Dukenwa. <laughs> so, uh, and next, real quick, uh, we won't go through this whole card, but uh, Ryzen, uh, Ryzen, what five, I believe. Uh, do they uh, are they numbered? Yeah, it's Ryzen. Is it Fighting Federation? Is that what FF stands for? Uh, yes. Yeah, so Ryzen Fighting Federation five. Happened, I think, was that was this last weekend? Sunday, last Sunday. Sunday. So this was headlined by uh, Tatsuya Kawajiri and Anthony Burchak. Uh, 
two former uh, UFC fighters. Um, you didn't watch the? Did you watch the Cowboy fight? I did not. All right, so I'll just run it down real quick. Um, pretty much a Cowboy fight. Uh, lots of grappling, <laughs> a lot of top position, ground and pound. I think in the second round, Burchak did get off um, some good strikes, but Cowboy got him down again. and Kind of just did what Cowboy does. Um, but I'm always happy to see Cowboy fight. I kind of wish he was still in the UFC, but. You know, he's over in Ryzen. I'm pretty sure he'll be well appreciated over there. Probably making more and money, too. Definitely probably making more money. Um, I wanted to point out, I had never even noticed this. I like Ryzen's format of the 10-minute first round and the 5-minute second round. Mm. Uh, it's it's weird, but, like, I kind of like it. I don't know. It's the potential for, like, boring fights to really just drag out that first round. That is true. Like, that is true. Like, and we're not in the era where heavyweights can go like 15 to 20 minutes anymore because, you know, well, uh, yeah, well, I was going to say because steroids, but they're in Japan, so they can also do steroids. <laughs> so, so literally, uh, uh, Amir Akbari has no one to blame but himself for his gassing against, like, Prokop. Mm. Or in general, because he does seem to gas a lot. But back on it, I saw I did watch the Amir Akbari Geronimo dos Santos fight because I'm a pro wrestling fan, and this is the, probably the closest fight to a pro wrestling fight that where it's just two large men. I, I see a still picture, and dos Santos is wearing is it like a gorilla mask? <laughs> yes, or something. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't see this fight, but this looks. Uh... Like, have you never seen Mondragon like before? Or, like, just like he—he's a bodybuilder. He's just straight up a bodybuilder, who, hide, who does not hide the fact that he juices what at all. And then you have Amir Alibari, who is somebody who got kicked out of the, um, the world, uh, like the World Amateur Wrestling Federation or whatever the hell they want to call themselves now, the U- the United World Wrestling. He got kicked out because he got caught cheating too many times <laughs> with, ro- with like with the roid. So, but, so like it, this is just like a juicer's dream fight. And um, Amir beat the shit out of him. I like, took him down, got the crucifix, and just landed ground and pound. And it was really quick. Oh, I like, oh, had build up All for right. nothing. <laughs> All right. I might have to go back and, and check that out. Um. Man, shout outs to uh, Kyoji Horiguchi, man. So I didn't see Did the, you watch this fight? I didn't see the fight, but I saw some like gifts and some highlights. And, man, and I don't think he just man. beat Yuki Matoya up. Like, Dude. And I can't remember if it was like the beginning of the first round, but he almost had like a Fedor Avlaski moment where uh, Matoya went up for like, I, I guess it was a flying knee, some air maneuver he was trying to do, and <laughs> Horiguchi just... Floored him with the right hand, man. Like, Horiguchi looked... This was a dominant <laughs> performance. Like, Horiguchi's still training at ATT, despite the fact that he now is fighting in Japan. So he's still getting better, even though he's not fighting the same caliber of, like, U- like UFC fighters. So I expect... Um, after I expect him to blaze through this Ryzen tournament that they're throwing. Yeah. And just, like, murder he, people. He looked really good, man. He... He dropped Motoya plenty 
at least two, got, two or three I, times. I think I saw a gif where he like, kicked him in the body and like Matoya folded over like he was just breaking. Yeah, like <laughs> he he and I mean shout out to Yuki Matoya. Like he was he was trying to put up an effort, but dude Horiguchi just was on another level, dude. and he he was even working takedowns like. He he looked really really good, man. Oh, oh shout out to Hor- uh, Horiguchi who has a Reebok deal that's probably worth work, worth more than all the fighters on like the UFC uh, Fox card. <laughs> I, I just I saw the pictures of him after the fight and um he was just rocking some Reebok gear, like some Reebok right. shorts, and they were better than any of the ones the UFC have. <laughs> man, this dude, it's 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 a. <laughs> tragedy that he's not in the UFC right well, now. Well, it's a man. tragedy that they couldn't give him more than two fights a year. Yeah, and they mentioned that um, during the commentary when they uh, were asking him, like, well, why did you come back to fight in Japan? And that was one of the main reasons that he said he, he wanted to be more active. Uh, and he knows if he comes over here that, you know... Dude, he is... He's the face of Ryzen, Jap- the Japanese fighters in Ryzen right now. Right. He's the, he, he is the best Japanese fighter on the planet. Yeah, yeah, man. This this guy, keep an eye on him, even though he's not in the UFC anymore. Like, he's gonna be in Ryzen, probably just with obliterating the, dude, people. With the way UFC's cutting fight, like top ten fighters from the freaking division, like they cut three. Uh, well, not top top fifteen fighters. Like he's going to end up fighting some ranked dudes eventually, I guess. Right. Like Yuki Matoya here was like the best flyweight still fighting in Japan. Freaking Zach Makovsky and Ali Bagatinov are out, like, running around out there in Russia right now. Lu- who knows what's happening with Louis Smoka? Like, yeah, so, the, yeah, a lot of potential for more of just fun fights for... Yeah. Yeah. So... But, yeah, I, I, dominant performance. Yeah. You shout to um, Koriguchi, because we're going to make that money. Right. <laughs> uh... Let's see, I'm just kind of scrolling down here. Uh, oh, I guess real quick, I'll talk about the knockout since that fight didn't even really last all that long. Uh, Darren Crookshank and Yusuke Yachi. This is a pretty pretty fun fight. And Yachi, Yachi telegraphed <laughs> that he was going to knock out Crookshank like 10 right. times. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Crookshank had good moments in this fight, but it, if you paid real close attention to how this fight was going, Yachi just repeatedly was just landing this counter right and it was only a matter of time before literally everybody saw it coming except Crookshank (laughs) Crookshank went for like a blitz and I think Yachi threw like a left and then a right right behind it and it was like Crookshank went face down through the ropes right like yeah it was bad and he was out cold like and Yachi landed like two other shots after that that he didn't even need to throw. Like Crookshank was, yeah, he was out cold. Yeah, props to, stone yeah, props cold. Props to Yachi because that's a big win. That's yeah. Because Crookshank's not, he's a UFC quality fighter. Right. And a good fighter. It, it, Albeit his UFC career it, didn't pan out, pan out we great. We thought it might. But he, he's still a good fighter and that's a good win. Yeah. And he flatlined him <laughs> for all, all, all intents and purposes. And I think. Oh, did you um, see his walkout? No, I, I skipped the walkouts because the videos were like 20 minutes. I wanted to. Yeah, I did, what, what was the walkout? Dude came out. I can't remember the song, but like, imagine the most American song that isn't like Hulk Hogan's theme song. And like, he came out like American shorts, American like jacket, and just like that fucking Don Fry mustache. 
<laughs> and I'm like, yeah, God, this is why. Gotta look. This is why the world hates us. Because <laughs> he, he, he looked like that douchebag at the end of the bar. <laughs> this is why I love like organizations outside of the UFC because their like entrances and just like production setup is always do, like when you're when you can't sell the best versus the best, you gotta sell something. You right, sell personality, and Crookshank is apparently America personified. Yeah, they make it a show. Right. They they make it a show. Um. Uh. The, uh oh, real quick, uh, the Reina fight, because I I'm pretty sure I mentioned. Uh, I'm not like a hundred percent on this, but I'm pretty sure Reina is like the most popular fighter on the Ryzen roster right now. Um, like her fight. And her la- her on the last uh, car- rising car she was on was like the most watched mm. percentage wise. I think the percentage was like ten point two seven percent. Wouldn't doubt it. It's for, for people who don't know the fight was King Rana versus. Oh no 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 Jazzy. no 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 no. Rana oh, they... Kubata, the one hundred. Oh, that's her. The shoot boxing. The shoot boxer. Oh. Uh, for those who don't know, like. Kickboxing much bigger in Japan than MMA. Like should be bigger everywhere. It, it should, but, <laughs> but alas, like, and Reina has been like shootboxing's poster girl for a while now. She is like I don't fucking remember like six time champion. Like, I stopped keeping up with that. Isn't she like really young? Twenty eight, I think. Like, dude, like um, fucking. She's 25. Man. But at the same time, like, um, you had Erica Nakamura, who was, like, advertised as, like, the fighting high school girl. You had Mizuki Unoe, who won the thing at, like, 16, and her teammate, whose name escapes me, who won at, like, 15. Like, they, they, they start young over there. Like, there's a reason, um, not, uh, like, guy, their box, and when it comes to boxing, like, they have world champions who are literally just coming out of high school. Mm. Nah. So, <laughs> so it makes sense to me that she's young. And quite honestly, like, I can see her being the best Adelaide on the planet. Because she is so much better than any other Adelaide when it comes to the, just, like, the striking. And, I might have to go back and... Like, she, I think the punch... I, I think she like, she got off like some stomps in this fight. She straight up like just dropped her on like a body punch at the, I think ended the fight. If I remember right, she landed a front body kick that freaking just like had Dora Perez just like body over uh, double over in pain. Yeah, it was just complete dominance against someone who has a little bit more experience in the sport. Did this fight in first round or second? Uh, first. I, 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 I think it just landed. It lasts like three minutes. Right, I might go back and watch that. Yeah, because like, this. I'm really. It has me really interested because they're doing the um the the tournament later this year, and Reina's going to be in it. And I'm curious who they're going to get. Because, like, all, except for Michelle Watterson and Jessica Penne, all the top atomites are are basically 
Invicta, fighting on the regional scene, fighting Deep Jewels. Like, they're out there for Reina to fight. So I'm excited for what what they can put together. I have to go back and check that fight out. From what I saw, like, this card was, was pretty good. The, the, All right. I only saw about three or four fights, but, like, it seemed like a pretty uh, solid card. So I'll, I'll definitely go back and, and check that out. Right. Um, if it wasn't for Easter, I probably would have stayed up and bought the thing. But I, I, I forgot to be honest that it even it even happened until like two days later, <laughs> and then I just started seeing results. And I guess I'll uh, last fight I'll give a shout out to <laughs> Jazzy Gabbert versus King Reyna. Uh, th- King this Reyna was a out really fucking up, fucking up the cell, man. <laughs> you gotta put Gabber over so they can do the big money fight with Gabby Garcia. Right. And and just to paint a picture, so Reyna is five two. One I believe like one sixty. And uh and that's, Jazzy That's probably like an out of shape well, not out of shape, but like I don't cut out weight. Of, right. I don't I, cut weight. I, weight. I don't I don't diet. Right. That that's what so, uh, that's what we're dealing with here. She's twenty. She's only twenty years old, by the way. So five two, about one sixty. Jazzy is six one, <laughs> like like one ninety or something like that. So like the size disparity in this fight was just, it was wild. And the, the fight started with just rock'em sock'em robots, them just kind of throwing wild punches. Not not the best technique. They're just kind of trying to kill each other. And then Reyna got a clinch and took her down. And after that, the size disparity just didn't matter anymore. Like, <laughs> she she was just clearly better on the ground. I like to point out and, that Reyna is, walks to, like, you want to talk about just, like, Reyna walks to the cage, into the ring with a teddy bear with a crown on it and her own crown and scepter. Like, <laughs> so now I gotta go back and watch all of the walkouts for this card because yeah, I skipped most of the intros. I'm literally just looking at a picture. She has a scepter that's literally just a, 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 like a number one, like if you're holding yeah. up your finger, and a teddy bear with a crown on it. Like, <laughs> thug life. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she she dominated this this fight. And second round kind of started the same with Rock'em Sock'em, and then I think eventually he got it to the ground again, and then she worked in a, I think with a head arm. Uh, like arm triangle choke, and then she got the submission. But yeah, this, this was just a really interesting fight just to watch, like the size disparity. Yeah. Because you know, in the UFC, we, things like this would never be sanctioned. But... In America, things like this would never. Be sanctioned. Right. <laughs> but in in Japan, no where <laughs> right, <laughs> we get we get to see these kind of fights, and yeah, man, I I, I enjoyed it. It was it it was fun to watch, not nonetheless. That's what I kind of like about Ryzen, man. This just make the fun just fights. Fun. Man. Yeah, they're just, they're just fun fights. And you can't put on the best, press the best, put on like the best judoka you can find against like a pro wrestler. See, I feel like somebody in this card called out Kron Gracie, and I can't remember who. It might have been Kyoji Horiguchi. Was it somebody called out Kron Gracie after they won? Might have been Horiguchi. I, I can't remember. I, I think it was because he, like he said, like he beat one Japanese. Let's see if he can beat the other one or something. Or it might have been Yachi. 
It was one of those two. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think it was, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Coward Jerry. Yeah, it might have been Yachi. Actually, yeah, I think it was Yachi, actually. Yeah, I think it was Yachi, because I, I, I remember um, watching that fight, so... That makes sense. I mean, why the fuck not? Technically, right. technically speaking, Kronk Gracie's a top 15 featherweight. Yeah, I saw, I saw one of his fights. He, he beat... Like, the way he beat Kawajiri wasn't, like, nothing. Yeah. Like, it was just straight up, like... Solid, good MMA. Yeah, dude's dude's legit. He's and he's now the best Gracie fighter in like, I don't know, forever. <laughs> well, not forever, but in a long, long time that we've seen. Like that, that was the biggest win a Gracie's had since like, I fucking came put a name on it. Yeah. I, I, do, do we count <laughs> the the recent drubbing of Frank Shamrock? <laughs> bare knuckle boxing world champion title contender Frank Shamrock. <laughs> I don't know, but shout shout out to Kron, man. He's hold, he's holding it down. Oh, it was Ken. Never mind. I'm stupid. Yeah, it figured be one of them. Uh -huh. But regardless, fun fun card, man. Fun fun card from Rising for what I saw. I'm definitely gonna go back and probably watch the fights. The couple ones that I didn't get to watch. I really hope next time I'm able to fucking just stay up and watch the damn thing. Yeah. So we are coming up on an hour and some change. <laughs> so uh I guess pardon shots, pardon shout outs before we leave. Um I will give my a uh, last shout out to Miguel Torres. Holy shit. Who yeah. Officially no, retired. Oh, God, no, I was oh. talking about that. I was I saw something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, uh shout out to Miguel Torres. He officially I feel like he retired twice before. Man, I might be wrong. I, mean, I don't know. But... He got cut from the USC twice before. Yeah. I mean, that might be what you think about. For the same damn but... shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so he officially retired today. Um, I know, like, the way... He was definitely one of those guys who... He stayed... He overstayed his MMA welcome, I think, by... Probably about four or five fights. But, you know, like, for people who don't know, like, at, at one point, this dude was pound for pound. Like, in terms of the weight classes under 155, like, he, he, he was that guy. Yeah. He was that dude, man. And I, I remember, like first watching WEC randomly turning on versus didn't even know I had the versus channel I just happened to watch the fights had no idea who he was and just every fight I saw him in was just so fun and um he I, I, god what fight was it was it Mizugaki fight so uh the Torres I saw the Torres Mizugaki fight on like replay on versus and I think that was the fight that got me into MMA. So I I I owe Torres just a whole lot from that regard. Cause uh, so, you know, the props to him for going out and I, I don't want to say on his, like on the win I guess, but he he just props to him for being able to step away from the sport. Cause I know it's I joke about it, but it's really hard for all these guys because this is literally all they know how to do 
Yeah, and and for those of the Torres has been fighting for seventeen years. He's been fighting since he was a uh, he was eighteen, nineteen years old. Like, and his fights were always most of them just fun. Like, yeah, just fun. Mm-hmm. Like to last that long with the kind of fights that he had is crazy. And I think the only thing looking back at his career, I, I do wish during his prime that him and Faber could have had a scrap. Yeah. But I think they were in two different because Faber was at forty five, I think, yeah. at that time. Yeah. So that that never happened. But regardless, man, yeah, he like he, were, he was one of. I feel like when they got to the UFC, they tried to make that fight and they just couldn't get it to happen. Yeah. So yeah, I know a lot of people back in the day like that. That was the fight people wanted to see. Unfortunately, it never happened. But regardless, man, that he was all-time favorite fighter. Man, I, I loved watching that dude fight. And UFC career didn't pan out as good as I hoped, but still for me, an, an all-time favorite. So, but best of luck to him and and whatever he does after uh, after fighting and such. Yeah. Um. You know, my part in shot's not going to be as sentimental, but shouts to Bellator because apparently their gate in Hungary was like a million dollars. And for, uh, if, you, if you're like wondering why that's such a big deal, um, God, freaking, uh, oh God, their gate in freaking Italy was $800,000. For those wondering why it's such a big deal, like, the, um, the gate for Bellator 174, Conan versus Bud, was like $100,000. The gate for... Oh, God, I'm trying to find the fight that didn't have... The gate for 171, Giller versus... Goar versus um, Njikawani was 200000 And the gate for... Well, I'm not gonna pull up another one, but you, you get my point. Unless you right. unless you have Chael Sonnen, Tito Ortiz, um, or Fedor Emelianenko, I guess, uh, on the card, you're not gonna do a million dollar gate for Bellator. So, I finally understand why they're going overseas so damn much, because they can get they can pull million dollar gates in Hungary and Israel and. Um, for Italy and stuff, so I get uh, I just learned something today. The Bellator trying trying to do good in the world. <laughs> um. Oh, shots. Oh, fuck, parting shot. Shots to Daniel Strauss. After a year away, he's finally gonna defend his title. He's finally healthy, so I'm happy about that. That should be a fun fight too. Yeah. Albeit it is the fourth time <laughs> they fought, but. Yeah, him and Pitbull. Pitbull's legit, man. Like, ah. he's one of those dudes outside of the UFC. I, I, lo- I love watching him fight. Dude, I think he'd be so much better if he could fight at 135. Like, I think he's slowing down. Like, yeah, like um, well, maybe this conversation for, like, next week, and after we see how he does this week, but, um... Yeah. Like, the, the, um, the third freaking Strauss fight... The Corrales fight, the white, the uh, the white show fight, like there, there looks like, like there's something that was off about him in those fights. And he, the Corrales fight, like he he almost, I want to say he lost the first round or something because it just looked like he uh like was hurt or didn't like couldn't pull the trigger or something like that. And I don't know. 
We'll see though. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how he does. That, he that should definitely the, be. A... He looked like he was on his way to beating Benson Henderson. So. Right. <laughs> he was definitely on his way to beating Ben though, which is. Who himself has seen better great. days. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I guess this weekend uh, we got the legendary main event of Cub Swanson and Artem Lobov. So uh, nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> That's the theme of this week: nepotism. <laughs> we'll 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 review that card for better or worse. I'm pretty sure that main event will be uh, it'll be something. I mean, I don't we can talk, talk about it now. Cub Swanson just knocking out Artem Lobov. Right. This is. Dude, his record is like 13 and 12. I didn't know that. But in all fairness to Lobov, <laughs> yeah. a lot of those fights were literally just him being like called like two days before and be like, hey, we need a replacement. This guy dropped out. Will you want to come fight um, freaking Andre Winner? Yeah. Want to come fight uh, Alex Englund? Like, guys who... Do you want to come fight Saul Rogers? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I knew who Saul Rogers is, right? Like, he was the guy who probably would have won tough but season uh, Ryan Hall won had he not freaking blown his visa. Yeah. So, like, he, like, his losses have been to, like, legit competition, but that's not to say he's played any good. So yeah. He, he should get his ass beat. I mean, right. <laughs> he's, pro- he's, he's probably going to get tooled. Or you never know. Maybe we'll see a crazy upset but maybe the maybe McGregor's confidence will just rub off on him and he'll do the impossible. Right. Right. We we've seen crazier things happen. Also the return of Ali Quinta who retired to go do real estate. <laughs> so when we talk about fighter retirements. <laughs> so either way this this weekend we we should have a lot to talk about, so we'll cover that. And then in the span that the UFC takes their little break, uh, we got boxing going on, and I'm pretty sure there'll be enough news in the fight world to, you know, well, when this have when the UFC has quiet, uh, doesn't have fight weeks, they tend to put on like put out news. Like in the between before UFC 211, um, I fully expect to have a date for Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes too. Yeah, so there'll, there'll be stuff out. If anything, maybe we can just, you know, if there are no cards or no fights, we can just do like a prediction show or... We can talk about... They'll, they'll... We can predict who's going to fight Daniel Cormier in like late July. We'll see. I mean, that... <laughs> we didn't bring that up, like... Yeah, because Jones is he's coming. I mean... Nobody knows we, when, we, but... We hope so, but well, at the yeah. same time... We've been down the we've been down this whole this road before, <laughs> we have, and yeah, that's plenty of time for John Jones to fucking just hit another light post. Yeah, fingers crossed for the best. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can get that fight in like July or August or whenever. Yeah, he's coming back, but yeah, I'm pretty sure between now and then there'll be there'll be plenty of news and fights to talk about. So, but yeah, that's pretty much the the show so yeah you guys check out that rising card though man look at stuff not ufc related and what, uh, what, watch other people what's the bellator card right and yeah because like daniel strauss and, and pitbull oh, wait, like wait, these wait. are legit wait, 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 real quick because you just reminded me there um there's no glory card this week but there is a k1 card no oh. where is it i have the posters somewhere 
yes, it is on Saturday. Who's uh, who's headlining? Uh, it's featuring a t- uh, tournament for the uh, 55 kg uh, title contender for Takaru, who's on the card. But the headliner will be uh, Quad Fairtex versus Yamazaki. And there you go. Kai- Kickboxing, which we plug like every week. Yeah. Kai Fairtex. <laughs> Probably uh, Kai Fairtex and um, Takaru are like literally the two most violent men on earth. So, especially Takaru. Like, if you're going to watch this card, watch it for Takaru and watch him just murder a man. What time does that, uh, well, what time that comes out? I have no idea. I'll probably end up watching it like a day or so later. They, they're normally good about putting some stuff up on, um, freaking YouTube. Um, right. Also, Kunlun Fight is Sunday. Kunlun Fight 60. I could not tell you the names of the fighters on it. I think Arthur Koshenko's on it. Uh, God, I don't want to butcher these this woman's name. But yeah, like there's don't don't worry. There's solid company. There's solid. Fighters. Yeah, honestly, I've watched one of their cards and it was it was pretty fun from from what I saw. Right. So yeah, like. If you're just looking up for like quality kickboxing and fun kickboxing, yeah. Like for those who don't know, Kunlun Fight is Kunlun Fight is the place where uh, Glory Heavyweight Champion uh, Rico Verhoeven lost. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce this, the man who beat him's name, but it was basically unknown that um, Kunlun pulled from Russia. Oh, I had to look that up. When was that fight? Couple of years ago now. Hmm. Well, a lot of blood in the weekend coming. Mm-hmm. Even when there's no UFC, people are still <laughs> people are still bleeding. There's still plenty of plenty of violence to go around. But uh, yeah, I guess that is it for the day. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, check us out on YouTube and or SoundCloud, and eventually I'll make a Twitter. And I'll start hopping in the tweeting world. So you can harass me there and whatever people do on Twitter. I don't really know. Talk shit. I guess talk I'll find shit out. Right. <laughs> I'll find out when I get on there. But uh, as always, when people are being kicked and or punched in the face, we'll be there to talk about it. So hopefully next time we will catch you guys soon. Thanks for listening. And be safe.